You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to be talking about physical activity guidelines. What are the guidelines that have been put in place so that we have an idea of what we can and could and maybe should be doing in order to see significant increases or even maintenance of physical activity. So we're gonna talk about physical activity guidelines. Now these guidelines are pulled from the physical activity guidelines for Americans, second edition that was put out by the US Department of Health and Human Services. And they pulled this information through multiple research, right? So research through randomized controlled trials, epidemiological studies, cohort studies, longitudinal studies, and they have significant correlations between physical activity and health throughout the years. And what they've done is they've assimilated that data, they put it together and said, based on what we know from the research, here is how much you should be exercising throughout the week. Now, we're going to go through and we're going to talk about several categories here. First category we're going to address is going to be preschoolers. The second one is going to be children through adolescence. Then we're going to look at what it is for adults. So what are the physical activity guidelines for adults? What are the physical activity guidelines for now older adults? And, uh, and as we get into the aging pop population, it starts to change a little bit. They're going to be physical activity guidelines also laid out for pregnancy, uh, pre and postpartum. And then we're going to talk about just briefly adults that have chronic health conditions. So what are those physical activity guidelines? And then we'll go through a few guidelines in order to safely administer, to safely go through physical activity. So Stay with me as we're about to, to go through this. But before we get started, I want to say that several of you have taken me up on this where you have indeed gone and left your reviews. So written reviews, five-star reviews, five-star reviews, and uh, or whatever you deem is the appropriate storage to go on there. But you've gone through and you've done that. I want to say thank you, and if you are so inclined, please do so and continue to hit the subscribe button. And if you know other fitness professionals, they don't have to be NASM certified fitness professionals. You know other fitness professionals that could use this information or fitness professional adjacent, people who are interested in fitness, but they're not personal trainers or group instructors, to pass it along, share that with them. I'd appreciate it, and I would assume that they would appreciate it as well. So thank you so much. Now let's get into it. Let's talk about children and adolescents. Uh, pre no, let's go preschoolers. I want to talk about preschoolers because preschoolers are an interesting group, and here's really the bottom line. The, the guidelines for physical activity is to be active throughout the day. Now, that is about the most generic bit of guideline that you're ever going to hear, but if you have somebody that, and they're aging these preschoolers ages three to five to be regularly active throughout the day, that's easy enough. And I think we all know that's a good idea, but also we are in a society 
where when they're going to school or when they're going to preschool, sometimes they are getting the uh, a lot of sit down, be quiet, sit down, pay attention, focus on this. And we want to encourage that if they're doing that a lot in school, at least when they're home, get them moving, get them active. So regularly active throughout the day. Now, as they age up into being a little bit older children, so we're looking at five or six through adolescence, the suggestion is that they get one hour or more of moderate to vigorous physical activity every day. This is a 60 minute a day activity focus. Now, it doesn't have to be all in one burst, so a couple of 30-minute activity breaks. But when we look at moderate to vigorous activity, moderate activity is going to be just kind of playing around, right? A bit more active, about three to six METs or metabolic equivalents is going to be moderate activity. Vigorous activity is going to be six METs and above. So they also are suggesting that muscle strengthening to be a big part of physical activity in addition to the 60 minutes a day of aerobic activity. So they're looking at three days a week of muscle strengthening activity. And I get the question. People say, do you think it's healthy? Do you think it's safe for, for young children to do uh, weights? And I don't, I don't think it's unhealthy. I don't think it's unsafe. I think the only unsafe thing is that sometimes children don't know how to behave around weights. I know simply by having a garden in the backyard is my young son and both of my other kids when they were young, if they found a rock, they would pick that up. Sometimes they try to pick it up overhead. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for me with my children. So I look at it and we all as parents, we put that rock down. But we're not talking about necessarily weightlifting. We're talking about muscle strengthening. So here's an example. My son loves to wrestle with his buddy at the playground. They go to the playground, my wife takes them, I'm usually at work, my wife takes them to the playground after school, and he wrestles with this kid. And he loses a lot. <laughs> he's like, he's a little guy, and he loses a lot. He's also five, and he's playing with six-year-olds uh, that are a grade older than him. But here's the other thing. My wife can't stand it, but it's the one thing that he loses at and can still laugh when he loses and get up and go after it and try again. So she's kind of encouraging that. And I'm looking at it and I'm saying, well, this is good for coordination. This is good for muscle strengthening. See, it's not weightlifting. But him wrestling with this other kid is indeed strengthening his muscles. It's not the same as running around and creating that aerobic activity. This is a muscle strengthening physical activity. As people get older, as children get older and move into adolescence, I feel far more comfortable with them lifting weights. I don't have a problem with kids lifting weights under a very controlled environment. It's not that the lifting is bad, it's that the dropping is bad. The dropping of weights is bad. So we don't want the weights to land on them. So as they get older, I don't mind it. Uh, under supervision and then until they can go without supervision because they are proficient and one of the things we don't teach a lot, we don't, we don't really focus on as much as we should in the fitness industry, which is, are we teaching people um, how, to, how to lift weights and get out from underneath it, right? So if you're doing a squat, how is somebody spotting that squat? And if you can't complete it, 
how do you safely get out from underneath it? If you're doing a dumbbell chest press, how do you complete it? Or how do you safely get out from underneath it if you can't complete it? So I, I think these are good things to go over with your, your clients and certainly with young children is that you just have to be careful. And if you feel it's not going to work, here's your way out. Another focus for children is bone strengthening. And they are talking about bone strengthening activities three days a week. Well, Hey, let me ask you a question. What is what what are some of these bone strengthening activities? Well, the aerobic activities that they're doing, running around. And you've heard me tell this story before, most likely, if you listen to the podcast, cast where I had my boys when we were stuck at home during the pandemic, and I just I cleaned off the coffee table and I told them that they had to jump off the table multiple times. And I would give them sets of like 20 repetitions, climb up on the table and jump off of it. And again, again, if it seems like everything that we're getting, I'm getting the kids to do, my wife is like, why, why are we doing this? This was for their bones, right? I want them to jump off the table and I want them to land on the ground and I want to rattle their bones. I want to strengthen their bones. And some studies have shown that your bone density during aging is a direct result of the work that's done in the developmental ages, in early aging, in childhood. So start them now, start them now. Again, the jumping, the running, the playing, the wrestling, the falling is part of it, strengthening the bones. That's for children through adolescence. Those are the foci, focuses, foci, what we should be looking at. All right, now let's get into talking about adult, adult guidelines for physical activity. I'm going to give you the first guideline that was put out there and the first statement really expresses one of the biggest problems that we have in our society. The first statement by the HHS, Department of Health and Human Services, for adults and physical activity is to move more and sit less. Move more and sit less. Why do they say that? I think you know. We have a lot of people that don't move. So uh, uh, sedentary behaviors is a huge problem. If you've been following me on social media, you've probably noticed that I've posted multiple times research studies that go along with identifying sedentary behaviors and not necessarily exercising, but regular physical activity, movement throughout the day. Exercise is quality. Yes, exercise is important. Yes, but getting up, moving, being active, not even being focused on, did you get your 30 minute run or your 60 minute run in? In fact, I think recently I was having a, a conversation on, on the podcast with Fabio Camana. And I love talking to Fabio. Every time I talk to Fabio Camana, I learn something. He's one of my favorite people to, to listen to. And when I listen to Fabio, one of the things we talked about, uh, he talked about, I mean, he just, he will go. <laughs> the Energizer Bunny, push play, and that guy is taken off. And he talks about readdressing how fitness professionals deal with personal training. And not that we need to stop focusing on our 60-minute sessions, let's say, that we're doing with our clients. But we do need to focus on 
maybe a little bit more of when they're not with us, what are they doing? And that doesn't necessarily mean, are they getting in another repeat of a 60 minute workout that we did? That's not it. It's talking about increasing regular physical activity throughout the day, being more active throughout the day. That you're gonna see so many benefits from regular physical activity. And several studies have shown that you can do one hour of workout every day and sit or recline or sleep for the other 23 hours in a day, and you are still going to be subject to the perils of sedentary behavior because you are still considered sedentary even though you worked out for one hour. And your rise in chronic disease, non-communicable chronic pathologies will still increase. Does that mean you shouldn't work out for the hour a day? No, oh my goodness, no. It means that you need to get up. Get up and move. Um, this, I mean, this could be, you know, simply uh, gardening. It, it could be cleaning the house. You know, light cleaning around the house would would be movement and physical activity. And I'm telling you, significant. It is significant of how much that will actually help increase your um, your longevity by having little things that have you moving throughout the day. All right, what else? Well, here's the guideline for adults. And this is something that I think you need to memorize these numbers because these numbers are going to be throughout. When we talk about physical activity guidelines, it is for substantial health benefits, adults should do at least 150 minutes, that's two and a half hours, to 300 minutes, right? It's five hours. So there we are, two and a half hours to five hours a week of moderate intensity activity. Again, moderate intensity activity, three to six mets. So light movement, light riding on a bike, light, anything you do on a cardio machine, that would be light and not really doing that much, but doing something. It's going to be somewhere between three to six mets, not leisurely, right? So if you went out for a stroll in the park, the stroll probably may not get you up to three mets. But as you start to increase towards a brisk walk, then that's going to get you between the three to six mets. A real, like, like fast walking, running, jogging, things like that, that's going to be more of the vigorous intensity physical activity. And when we look at the numbers on that, you can do the 150 minutes to 300 minutes of, of moderate intensity activity or... 75 minutes, which is an hour and 15 minutes, to 150 minutes, two and a half hours of vigorous activity. So pumping it up, going for a run, taking those hit classes, working out. Preferably, aerobic activity should be done kind of spread out throughout the week. So again, we're not looking at it and say, hey, did you get your 300 minutes in this week or 150 minutes in this week? And you say, yeah, I did a four-hour run on Saturday. Now I'm sitting the rest of the week. I earned my rest. Um, that's true. I mean, you are getting your minutes in, but what you're not doing is you're not pacing it out throughout the week. And when you do that, you increase your metabolic expenditure, you increase your insulin sensitivity, you increase um, your, um, your ability to stave off some of these uh, potential issues that go along with sedentary behavior. So doing that throughout the week is actually quite good. And then, so we've talked about sit less, moving more, 
And then 150 minutes to 300 minutes moderate intensity exercise, 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity exercise. And then what about strength training? Yeah. They say that you should do two or more days a week. Two or more days a week for all major muscle groups while doing your strength training. Now, I know a lot of people that are personal trainers are listening to this and they say, I like doing my strength training as my cardio. Cool. That's your 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity activity and your resistance activity all rolled into one. But if you're doing your uh, single set, taking a break, single set, taking a break, and you go through that, then I, you have to separate that. So that is a strength training workout, not considered cardio, like metabolic training necessarily, where you're upping the heart rate towards a vigorous intensity activity. Doesn't mean the sets aren't vigorous, don't get me wrong. But see, we need to add in, we need to differentiate what those look like. So anyway, that's our guidelines. Those are guidelines for, for our adults. What about older adults? Check this out for older adults. So they still look at kind of this multiple components of physical activity, which includes aerobic activity and muscle strengthening activity, vitally important, but they also are adding in balance training as well. And I have an older gentleman that I work with on balance training. I see him several times a week. He is 89 years old and we work on that. We work on balance. Here's the thing. When you work on balance after you've already lost balance, then it's far more difficult to get that balance back. So this is one of the things I really like and I appreciate about the NASM OPT model is that balance is included in every phase of the OPT model Regardless, it doesn't say, hey, here's your older adult portion of the OPT model and balance is thrown in there. Mm -mm. It's in every phase for everybody we train. Balance training is. There's a reason for that. One, certainly beneficial for our performance. It certainly increases our ability to stabilize at our ankle, at our hip. When those are stable, our knees become more stable. And then we stack our core, our lumbopelvic hip complex over a single leg. And now I have to create this dynamic stability at my trunk as well to stabilize it. All right, that's, that's good, but certainly it will have some payoff as you get older where you are practicing those neural connections. So as you get older, ideally you'll be able to maintain those neural connections because we are able to uh, create connections around what we do. And I know, for example, when my father lost, started losing his balance, his, his physical activity went really down because he was nervous about even walking down a hill at his house to drop off the garbage. So um, when I when I looked at it and I started you know, say, Hey, let me see you do single leg balance. Let me just see where your balance is. It was really not quite good. And him being unstable on his feet, walking down a slight grade on the hill meant that his overall physical activity. So then that diminished, not just taking the garbage out, but other things throughout the day that made him say, Hey, my balance has gotten pretty bad. I don't want to do that. 
So focusing on the balance prior to older uh, adulthood, but also certainly while you're in older adulthood, adding balance components to it. All right, so here we should uh, increase physical activity relative to their fitness level. I don't think that we need to tell you that, but we need to tell you that. Do what you can, not what you can't. And so we're not taking uh, Ms. Rosini out and saying, hey, I've put together this really, really good hit class. And I know you've had some balance problems lately. And I know that you've not been physically active, uh, at least in a, a vigorously for many years. But let's just throw you into the fire, Rosini, and see how it works out. <laughs> That's probably not going to work out for her or you legally <laughs> just be aware and start people where they are and put together a systematic progressive program in order to up their physical activity and their fitness levels all right our numbers are looking the same so do you remember the numbers because i said you, we need to remember them 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic activity every week to 300 minutes, that's moderate intensity. So we're looking at 150 minutes weekly for people. And if they have chronic conditions, they still need to be physically active, uh, active, but it has to be within what their abilities are based on what the conditions are that they have. But what we can't do is when somebody says, oh, I have a, I have a heart issue, and we go, oh, you should, you should probably sit down and not exercise. You should not be physically active. That's crazy. That's crazy. You need to be physically active. You may need to work with a physician to find out what level of physical activity that means. But the moderate intensity physical activity, three to six meds, that's certainly something that should be met by each of these individuals 30 minutes a day. Well, 150 minutes a day. So 30 minutes a day for five days or 22 minutes a day if you wanted to put everything out daily. This is this is baseline. This is baseline. It doesn't mean that if they're working out or we gotta say, I got to take physical activity into account here and stop saying exercise necessarily because I'm not looking at particularly pointing out, are they doing exercise? I want to know, are you physically active? That's what this conversation is about. Physical activity. Exercise falls under physical activity, but certainly all physical activity is not considered exercise. So we want to get people into being more physically active. And as they're more physically active, we are meeting them where they are. And if they're not doing 150 minutes a week, we don't just say, hey, if you're not doing 150 minutes a week, you're not getting it. No, we coach them and find out what can you do? So I already pointed out 150 minutes a week. Maybe they pointed out 150 minutes a week is something already I can't do. I'm not doing, I'm nowhere close to that. Yeah, start where you start. You got to pick up where they are and progress from there. And a lot of times asking them what they can do is going to get you a lot closer to what they can do than you telling somebody what they should do. So let's leave the uh, the should off the table and find out where they can come in, where their activity levels can come in, and then support them in that. 
make sure you're not aiming too high. Make sure that it's something they can do because the success of them being able to do it and perform it will lead to more successes. And as we've talked about before, lead to upward spirals, allowing them to do more and more and positively affect them in different ways outside of fitness, outside of being physical active and physically active. All right. What else? Be as physical active as your conditions allow. I think that's important to point out. Let's look at, let's move on to the next group with uh, pregnancy. So pre and postpartum numbers are still the same. 150 minutes, two and a half hours of moderate intensity aerobic activity a week during pregnancy, postpartum. And that aerobic activity, again, spread out throughout the week. Now, if you have engaged in vigorous physical activity, prior to becoming pregnant, while you're pregnant, you can probably maintain that. But if you've not been vigorously active, I wouldn't say, I, I would say be careful that you know pregnancy is not the time for you to give it a try. Let's give it a shot. Uh, I don't know a lot of pregnant people that <laughs> that think that's a good time to be more vigorous in their activity anyway, but sometimes we think about it and we go, oh, I want to be healthier for my child and they start really pushing themselves, be active. Yes, be active throughout the week. Be active throughout the week. Women who are pregnant should be under the same healthcare provider. They can monitor your progress throughout the pregnancy, and you have somebody that you can consult with on, on their progress, on their physical activity during pregnancy, and then after the baby is born, kind of creating some teamwork around what you do with the clients while you're working with them. What about adults with chronic health conditions? Adults with chronic health conditions, let me just say, 150 minutes, which is two and a half hours, to 300 minutes, five hours a week of moderate intensity exercise, or 75 minutes to 150 minutes of vigorous activity, exercise, aerobic physical activity throughout the week broken up, dispersed throughout the week. And if there's somebody that has chronic conditions or disabilities, who are, they should, they have to be focused on taking care of themselves and not doing what they can't do. We also want to add in two or more days a week of resistance training. But meet them where they're at. Meet them where they're at. What we don't want to do is decrease physical activity because somebody has a chronic health condition. Um, we want to look at, can you be physically active that 150 minutes a week, moderate intensity, three to six Mets. I could be like doubles tennis, right? Um, walking, not a leisurely stroll, but a relatively brisk, not a super fast paced walk, but a, a a walk, right? Like walking with a little pep in the step. Add that in. We're not trying to beat anybody up with these exercises, this physical activity. But that's something everybody can. Uh, we're, we're trying to get Americans in general to focus on being more physically active. Being more physically active. 
we keep popping out those numbers, 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity exercise a week, three to six METs, 75 to 150 minutes of six or more METs. We do see a correlation between the higher number of minutes that people do their exercise and the, the, the greater number of benefit that comes from it. Now, at some point, there is a diminishing return, but there's still a return that you can be really physically active for longer periods of time throughout the week. It's probably not the people that we're trying to coach to do more stuff, though. It's the people that aren't coming anywhere close to that 150 to 300 minutes of moderate activity a week, but they might come to us for two hours a week. Right, two hours a week and sending them back. I mean, there's, there's a lot more hours. There's 166 hours left in the week after those two hours that they have increased chances. Maybe they're being more sedentary and we need to coach that physical activity. Just 30 minutes a day doing something physically active or more. We'll get to that more and more. Also, the other thing too, is there's some safety guidelines and we just want people to be safe. Do what you can, not what you can't. Decrease your risk. Focus on doing things in a safe area, um, in a safe and comfortable environment. Starting low and going slow. Making good choices about the environment you're in, the 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 equipment that you use, the exercises that you try to employ. Take that on and just work with your clients on helping them to get more physically active. All right. I hope you found this helpful. I appreciate you taking the time to, to listen on the guidelines for physical activity that have been put out by the U.S. Department of Health, um, Health and Human Services. This is something that we follow. And again, this isn't just like an arbitrary uh, series of numbers. These numbers have been put out there because far more, okay, the, it's not the HHS that's doing the research. There are many researchers out there that are doing it. A lot of the information will come from um, research uh, facilities and colleges and the American College of Sports Medicine and the Cooper Institute and a lot of universities that have put together and compiled this. Publications have gone out and this is kind of like a nutshell of guideline for physical activity for people. I hope you found it helpful. Uh, if you did, share this with people. Share the episode. Let them know about the physical guidelines. Breaking that up, doing them throughout the week. If you found it helpful also, please give us a review and some stars. Uh, we, I, we'd appreciate it. I'd appreciate it if you've got some feedback and I could work on making this a little bit better than provide that feedback. You can do that also directly to me by DMing me. I'm most active on Instagram at dr.rickritchie or you can email me at rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.